I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology. You can find me at theosophiapodcast.com and theologycorner.net, and on Instagram at theosophiapodcast, and on Twitter at theosophiapod. Also check out our Patreon page, where you can donate to Theosophia to help us cover the costs associated with the production of this fabulous women's empowerment podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm sharing my most recent sermon I gave two Sundays ago at St. Augustine of Canterbury in Oklahoma City. Father Joe Alzi invited me to preach on the feast day of St. Mary Magdalene, and my heart nearly exploded in joy and excitement when I got his email. He thought it would be most fitting to have a female preacher on the day we celebrate the first disciple, male or female, who was commissioned by Jesus to spread the word of his resurrection. So I was delighted to be there. Also, following in St. Mary Magdalene's legacy, I wanted to note that yesterday, which was July 29th, was the 44th anniversary of the ordination of the Philadelphia Eleven. So in 1974, the Philadelphia Eleven were the first women to be ordained in the Episcopal Church two years before the General Convention authorized ordination of women. Most folks don't realize that the Episcopal Church is was kind of relatively late to ordain women to the priesthood compared to its other Protestant friends, but as an Episcopalian, I'm, I'm very grateful for these women and their trailblazing and persistent attitudes and spirits that opened up the possibility uh, for priesthood for us women. So to honor the legacy of women being commissioned by Christ to do God's work from St. Mary Magdalene to the Philadelphia Eleven to the amazing women priests out there I know and love, here's a sermon to honor you all. So when I was a freshman at Notre Dame, I'll never forget being completely mystified and confused by why on earth Mother Mary was on top of the Golden Dome. She's the center of campus, she is the center of the piety of my Catholic friend's faith, and as a young Protestant from Oklahoma, I was shocked. Why on earth would we revere the Mother of God in this way that I thought should only be for Jesus, the Son of God? But after spending eight years on Our Lady's campus, she taught me much about why her presence matters to the church and to the world. Not only did I leave campus compelled by her, excuse me, not only did I leave campus understanding Mary's purpose, but I also felt so compelled by her, so inspired and forever changed by her, that I got a tattoo on my back of a phrase to remind me forever of her and her impact on my life. It says, Toujours Notre Dame, which means forever Our Lady in French. Did y'all know Notre Dame was named after a woman? (laughs) Make sure y'all know. So I tell this story not to confuse y'all about today. Today is the feast day of St. Mary Magdalene, who's a different Mary in the Gospels. But I tell this story to simply illustrate the beginning of my journey to understanding why it is so important to tell women's stories in the church and throughout church history. When Father Joe emailed me to ask me if I would preach on this feast day, I'm pretty sure my exact words were, oh, heck yes. (laughs) What an honor and a privilege it is to preach about the legacy of such a strong and powerful woman, 
St. Mary Magdalene. I don't know if there are any other topics I would rather preach about than the importance of women in the church, so thank you so much, Father Joe. St. Mary Magdalene was a Jewish woman. She was a disciple, a follower, and a leader in the Jesus movement. We learn in the Gospel of Luke that she is independently wealthy, and she acts as a sort of a patron to the Jesus movement, along with some of the other independent and itinerant men and women who followed him, supporting him financially. Some scholars call her the Apostle of the Apostles. Having been the first to see the resurrected Christ and been commissioned to spread the word to the other apostles, she functions as sort of Christ's chosen one, the first of equals, perhaps. The risen Christ even calls her by name. In today's Gospel, John 20, it tells the story of Christ's resurrection. St. Mary Magdalene was the only one to stay behind to wait for her Lord. This is significant. She's brave and courageous. Her staying behind, even though she knows that her Savior is dead, is a sign of her holy and utter devotion to her Lord and her teacher. She wants to give him a proper burial. When all the male disciples dispersed and went home, Mary remained faithful. She remained so faithful, almost as if she knew Jesus' work was not yet done especially in her. Jesus said to her, Mary, she was in the dark and did not recognize him. But once he called her name, she knew in her heart and she responded as one of his beloved, his flock. Can you imagine? Your beloved Lord and teacher, the man you've invested your life in is dead and you watched him be tortured and killed. And now you're hearing him say your name? Mary, Jesus said. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus calls a woman by name. This is significant. Jesus commissions women to do his work. She would be the one to tell the others about the risen Christ. Jesus entrusts Mary as a leader as an apostle of the apostles. Mary proclaimed life from a tomb, a place of death. Thus, I think we can call her a prophet. Also note what Christ didn't say in this moment. He didn't say, okay, Mary, go tell the others, but then categorize each other into roles based on gender to start things called churches in my name and go ahead and give up your authority and power. The men will take care of it from here. He didn't say that. (laughs) At least I didn't read that part, if that wasn't there. (laughs) Jesus instead said, Mary, you, you go, Mary. You tell the others. Women are equal members in the body of Christ. It is in the text. What is also significant is ever since this moment of a woman being commissioned along with men in the Jesus movement, Mary Magdalene's name and story has been perverted and eroticized to the detriment of all women's images and roles in the church. I was reading an article this morning by one of my favorite professors at Notre Dame, Canada Moss, about how there is proof that some of the original redactions of the text have changed the name of Mary Magdalene to be another Mary and confuse everybody. So I'm not sure about y'all, but I grew up learning that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. She was the gravest of sinners. Popular art and theater have illustrated her as such throughout time. 
Her story has been manipulated, and her power and strength as a female leader in the early church have almost been completely forgotten. The church has had a difficult time reconciling gender inequality and eradicating gender bias. It is difficult even today for some churches and Christians to read the biblical text without wanting to adhere to ancient notions of gender that no longer hold true socially or scientifically. During the biblical times, Aristotle's philosophy of gender reigned supreme. Women were seen as degenerative males, not yet fully formed humans. The male was the norm for human existence. Feminist theologian Rosemary Radford Ruther argues that this lingering mind frame of the naming of males as norms of authentic humanity has caused women to be scapegoated for sin and marginalized in both original and redeemed humanity. We are still dealing with the sin of sexism. Even though Jesus treated women as equal disciples in his life and ministry, during a time when gender was a hierarchical thing, There is a problem when women's voices and experiences are not seen as equal to men's or as valid as men's. It causes women to be silenced. It causes us to socialize our young girls and women to be silent and that their humanity matters less. To give you a stark example of how this functions today, USA gymnast and Olympic gold medalist Allie Raisman was one of the first women to come forward about the abuse from former team doctor Larry Nassar. Do you all remember this last year? Nassar abused hundreds of young female athletes for several decades. A couple evenings ago in Los Angeles at the 2018 ESPY Awards, Raisman and 140 other sister survivors were awarded, awarded the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Raisman started her speech that night by listing the years they suffered. 1997, 1998, 1999, 2000, 2004, 2011, 2013, 14, 15, 16. These were the years we spoke up about Larry Nassar's abuse, says Raisman. All those years we were told, you're wrong, you've misunderstood, he's a doctor, it's fine, it's okay, don't worry, we've got it covered. Be careful, there are risks involved. But the intention was to silence us in favor of money, medals, and reputation. She urged those who are suffering to speak out. We may suffer alone, but we survive together, she said. Nassar is currently serving 40 to 175 years in Michigan for sexually abusing women and girls under the guise of performing medical treatment. Raisman said perhaps the greatest tragedy of this nightmare is that it all could have been avoided. Too often, abusers and enablers perpetrate suffering by making survivors feel like their truth doesn't matter. To the survivors out there, don't let anyone write your story. In an interview with ESPNW, Raisman stated that this is bigger than Nassar. Women's worth and bodies are systematically devalued by our society and people in positions of power. Raisman asserts, we have to change the way our society views women. A couple weeks ago, Bishop Ed released a statement about the House of Bishops' discernment on responding to the hashtag MeToo movement. The bishops released a statement on sexual harassment and gender bias, and I wanted to read one little excerpt. The church is both community of faith and workplace is not immune to abuse. 
harassment, and exploitation of people of varying gender, racial, and cultural identities. As pastoral and prophetic leaders of the church, we bear the responsibility to continue the healing and transformational work that is yet to be fully realized. Together, we commit ourselves in our local context to strive daily, transforming the culture of our church into a more just, safe, caring, and prophetic place for all. And I think this work starts not only by listening to women, but in our cult- culturally in our places of worship, in our homes, our workplaces, and everywhere we should hold women in high esteem. We actually need to value women. We need to include women. We need to treat them with the dignity and respect just as we treat men. And this says this in our baptismal covenant, right? We must resist cultural messages of objectifying the female body for male pleasure and consumption. This is not what Jesus died and rose for. The gospel passage for today is an Easter story, for goodness sakes. It's a story of new creation, new beginnings. We are no longer slaves to the evil desires of sins and social categories of this world, but we are made new through Christ. Didn't Paul just say something like this in the text in Corinthians? I think he did. And didn't the new community, the early church, function as equals living together and sharing everything? Men and women in leadership, from Junia to Phoebe to Mary to Tekla. The most pointed moment in the media coverage for me in the abuse of Larry Nassar was when Judge Rosemarie Anquilina allowed each and every woman who wanted to to come forward and testify against Nassar. Over a hundred women spoke their truth that day. This moment was incredibly powerful and redemptive for those women and women survivors everywhere. But it shouldn't take such a dramatic moment for humans to value and listen to women and their experiences. Mary Magdalene's legacy is one of strength, courage, devotion, and faith. These aren't gender-based character traits. These are simply human traits. She beckons us back to an original goodness of human nature as it was in Eden. As much as I wish gender didn't matter in our world, it does. We shouldn't have to have a month to lift up women or a special job entitled Senior Women's Administrator. Every day, women should be celebrated and valued and be able to do the same jobs as men and be paid the same as men. But we oppress each other because of our gender. We invest so much in it for reasons we can't explain. And we completely forget who Christ calls us to be for one another. I think Christ calls us to be so much more than our genders. But if we must have genders in this world, let us lift up women and keep them there. Let us look to our biblical sheroes and to the sheroes of our great tradition. Let us also revere and celebrate the women in our lives for what they teach us, for who they are, and what they've been through. But it all starts right here in this church with a woman speaking from the pulpit. And praise be to God for that. But now it's your turn. Will you keep us here? Amen.